Well, today we're in week three of the series called The Church. And just to kind of bring you up to speed, if you missed a week, or just to kind of bring us up to speed on where we're at so far in the ground that we've covered. Um, week one, we talked about our mission. We talked about how Jesus had given us all the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is to do what? Go and make disciples of all nations. And we learned that our kind of representation of that mission is to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova, to go and make disciples in the community here in Southwest Nova. And last week we talked about how God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit, that it's God's desire to fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's what God wants to do. And God wants to prepare you to be a vessel of no resistance to the Holy Spirit. You know, oftentimes the reason why sometimes we don't get filled with the Holy Spirit is we haven't come to the point of total surrender. And that's a prerequisite. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you want your heart to be totally controlled and consumed by the Spirit of God, you've got to come to the point of total surrender. And sometimes God allows trials and tribulations to come into your life to bring you to the point where you totally surrender your life to Christ. And so we talked about trials and tribulations and how the walk of a Christian is a combination of battles and breakthroughs and battles and breakthroughs. And some of us are in a season of battle, and some of us are in a season of breakthrough. But God's with us through it all. And I was really encouraged because I heard a couple people share a couple different stories about how they actually practice fasting for the first time. And uh, I, this one person shared a story about how, like, they made, like, their favorite, someone else made their favorite meal the day they decided to fast. Of course, go figure, right? And I heard someone tell me a story about going and spending time in isolation with God. And I heard a few other people I noticed on my Bible app, because my Bible app gives me notifications, as such and such has started to plan on the Holy Spirit. And I noticed that a few people started Bible plans on the Holy Spirit. Man, there's nothing more encouraging than when a preacher gives an application point to say, go do this, and there's people that actually do it. Like, what, what a thought, Right? You actually, like, listen to the preacher and do what he instructs you to do. But I was just like, I'm just joking with you guys tonight. But I was really encouraged by that. And tonight, we're going to turn to a topic that I am just so passionate about. Tonight, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And when I became a new Christian, I was, began to read the Bible and began to read in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. I started reading about these spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give to everyone, to, if, you have, if you're a believer in Jesus, God wants to give you a holy, uh, a, a spiritual gift. And spiritual gifts are the special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives in order to reach lost people and build up the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual gifts are special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives in order to reach lost people and to build up the body of Christ. And as a new Christian... When I was 19 years old, I began reading scripture. I began to like ask God because the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so I began to ask God, say, God, I, I want you to give me spiritual gifts. That's not a selfish prayer because the reason why we're asking God to give us gifts is so we can actually serve lost people and so we can serve the body of Christ, so we can use our gift to bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so as I've grown in my faith journey, I've discovered that spiritual gifts is the keys to unlocking the church's potential. When you discover your gifts, 
When a church discovers its gifts and starts activating those, it's the key to unlocking the potential of a church, which I think is pretty cool. So when I was in Bible college and in seminary, I spent more time researching and writing papers on spiritual gifts than any other topic. One of the papers that I wrote was a paper defending the idea that spiritual gifts have not stopped. You know, there's some people in some faith traditions that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have actually stopped, that it helped get the church started, and those gifts have ceased. Well, I would just strongly say I disagree with you. (laughs) That the Holy Spirit is still ministering, he's still giving gifts, and he's still working and giving and working through his church through the power of the Holy Spirit and through spiritual gifts. It's just so evident. And based on scripture, tradition through the last 2,000 years of church history, reason and experience, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still for today. And God wants to give you spiritual gifts. It's one of the reasons why I have such a passion to help people discover their gifts, what their gifts are. This week as a staff, we actually spent some time doing some testing on spiritual gifts, and it was really cool. We did some testing, and then we also like kind of shared with one another what our results were and helped bounce that off of each other and help us process and discern the gifts that God had called us to. And it was really, really cool exercise, and it's important to kind of help discover what your gifts are. That's why I want to encourage all of you that can to come this Thursday night. And it's not that a spiritual gifts test will be like God's voice to you to tell you what your gifts are, but it's a tool that can help you discern, Lord, how have you gifted me? Because here's the deal, church. God does give spiritual gifts, and a lot of you have them in this room. Most of you have them in this room. And your spiritual gifts are a key part of God's strategy to take Jesus in every community of Southwest Nova. Like, the spiritual gifts that God has already given you is the keys to unlock the mission, to fulfill the mission. So how much do you think God wants to make you aware of what your gifts are? Quite much, right? He wants to make you aware. You have a part to play. And Paul knew this. It was Paul's passion. He wrote about it like in three different books. He was wanting people to understand their gifts. Paul knew that in order for the church to be the church, it had to function according to the way that Jesus designed. And Paul here in Ephesians chapter 4 explains how the church has been equipped to do the work that they're called to do. He hits on in Ephesians chapter 4, he hits on this idea of calling, of unity, of grace, and specifically how each member, how every part of the church actually fits together and how they're supposed to operate and function so we can all mature and grow to the fullness of the stature of Christ as the Bible talks about. So we'll look at Ephesians chapter 4 here tonight. Ephesians 4 starting at verse 1. It says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, 
one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, each one, every person, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. The gifts that God's given you is a grace. It's not something you deserve. That's why it's called a spiritual gift. What does he ascend it mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He's talking about Jesus. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. You see, God exalted Christ to the highest place in order to fill the whole universe. So this is the part here we're going to zero in on today. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service. Some translators say for the work of the ministry. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Man, I want to see what that looks like. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by what? Every supporting ligament. That's you, by the way. That's you. I love the word that Paul said, the word every. Each and every one of you in this room have a part to play in the body of Christ. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit more as we go. So let's kind of unpack this passage of Scripture a little bit. Let's start off with this idea of calling. This idea of calling. You see, God does specifically call people to do specific things. There's people that God uniquely gifts and have a special ability given by God to do certain functions and certain things. Now, there's things as Christians that we are just all called to do. Like, how many of you know that we're all called to serve one another and serve other people, right? You tracking so far? Are we all called to serve as Christians? Yeah, sure. Are we all called to show mercy to other people? Yes. Are we all called to share our faith and tell other people about Jesus? Yes. So we're all called to do that, but there are some people, according to the Scriptures, that are given the spiritual gift of mercy. It's in Romans chapter 12, and they have a special ability from God. They are called specifically by God with a special ability to show mercy to people in a way that I don't. That's a spiritual gift. We're all called to serve one another, but there's certain people you'll notice that have the spiritual gift of serving. We're all called to serve, but when a particular person serves, it's like, it's like you look at them and they're like, this guy's got like serving at a whole nother level. Have you ever thought that that might, person might actually have a special ability from God called the spiritual gift of serving? Or maybe someone that shares their faith a lot. We're all called to share our faith, but there's a gift in the Bible called evangelists that, that, that people, God gives this gift to actually enable someone to share their faith with other people. So there's all different kinds of gifts, and we're all called to do those things as Christians, but some people have what's called a calling. And I would say and challenge you, 
every single one of you in this room have a calling. And a key part of that calling is to discover the gifts that God has given you. And to begin to let the Holy Spirit activate those giftings that live inside of you. And our first calling here in this passage of Scripture before we get into gifts is unity. One of the main reasons why the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians is because the church was in a mess. They didn't have unity, and they had all kinds of spiritual gifts. But there was so much division. There were some people following Apollos, and some people following Peter, and some people following Paul. There was all these divisions. And so their first call was actually to unite. How many of you know that over the last number of years, we live in a divided culture? Right? There's so many things that divide us. That's why Paul says, and I love this passage of Scripture, it says, Endeavor, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then Paul says one, like, I don't know how many times in this passage of Scripture. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Paul is saying this, be one. Wasn't that what Jesus prayed in John 17? Yes, he said that they may be one as we are one. And so the first call is actually to unity. And Paul sets this up because he's about to talk about diversity. He's about to talk about how we all have different gifts and abilities. We're all different, right? We're all wired differently. And when you have a diversity of gifts in the room, you have people that see the world very differently. How many of you know that you and I see the world very different? But that's actually a blessing. It's actually how God designed the church to be diverse, to be different and think different. Last Monday, I was sharing with you guys last Sunday how James and I had a chance to go in, pray with a guy who, to receive Jesus. Um, and it was really interesting because after the service was over, or after we kind of ministered to these people in the hospital, James and I had like a little debrief session. And we talked about like what we were thinking and feeling after we had opportunity to pray with some people in the hospital. And in particular, this one gentleman who went to be with the Lord a few days ago. And it was interesting because James and I were processing both of our giftings and ministry. When, when James walks into a room, he's thinking about, how do I care for this person's soul? Because James has the spiritual gift of shepherding. He's thinking about caring for the person's well-being and caring for them. When I walk into a room, I'm thinking about, how can I bring this person to Jesus? You see how two different giftings operate differently? Because I'm more wired as an evangelist. But those two giftings aren't supposed to combat one another. They're actually supposed to work in tandem and in harmony. That's how God designed the body of Christ to work and function. Different giftings ask different questions, but they're all called to work in harmony. Now, don't get me wrong, there are tension points. There are challenges that happen when you have the gift of mercy that just wants to empathize with people and care for people, and then you have someone with more prophetic gift that wants to just call someone out on their stuff. When you have a prophet walk in the room or someone with more of a prophet gift, they might just be direct and call someone out. And that person might actually get a little bit hurt by that. Then you have the shepherds and the people with the gift of mercy coming and comforting them. But sometimes giftings can clash. 
Sometimes there's this tension that exists, but you know what? It's actually a healthy tension. Because God designed the church to have this amazing balance. That when we love one another and keep unity as number one, we can kind of work together and, and grow up in a balanced way, just like this passage of Scripture described. And so we're called to unity first. And we're in embrace unity in the midst of our diversity. Our second call after unity is to our specific role in the body of Christ. I want to talk about two different things here for a few moments. First thing I want to talk about is equipping gifts, and then I want to get zeroing on your particular gifts. There's a set of gifts that's talked about here in Ephesians chapter 4, which might be for some of us a new idea or a new thing. These five gifts that are talked about in this passage of Scripture, I like to call them the equipping gifts. And here's the deal. Not every one of you in this room is called to equip someone else for ministry. So the gifts that are described in Ephesians 4 are not for everyone. That doesn't mean they're better than you. That doesn't mean any of that. But it means that there are specific people called to equip, and that's not for everyone. Now, every one of us are called to have a gift. But not everyone's called to equip. You know, when I was teaching the evangelism workshop a couple weeks ago, I was talking about the role, different roles in the body of Christ, and how God has called some people, say, to the work of an evangelist. And one of the questions that came up is like, I thought you guys were pastors. And here in North America, we use the term pastor to call anyone that's in full-time ministry. Whether they're gifted as a shepherd, which is the true meaning of pastor, it actually means shepherd. We call everyone in the church that has a full-time vocational job in ministry, we call them a pastor. But here's the deal. There are tons of people that have the title pastor and don't have the spiritual gift of pastoring. And I hate to break it to you, church. I am not one of them. Hate to let you down. Shepherding is not one of my spiritual gifts. I'm called more evangelistically and more apostolically, and I want to explain that a little bit. James has a spiritual gift of pastoring. He has a spiritual gift of shepherding. So we have these five gifts that we see here in this scripture, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And in most cases, full-time pastors in churches, 20% of them roughly are shepherds. The other 80% have likely a different gift. And so that changes the way we see the church and how Jesus designed the church to actually operate and function. And so I want to explain a little bit about these five gifts because they I can't tell you how important it is to how the church is kind of called to go and move in mission. I want to explain these five. We'll start off with the apostle. How many of you guys remember watching uh, Star Trek The Next Generation? Two people. Awesome. Well, Captain Jean-Luc Picard said that his mission, their mission was to do what? To boldly go where no man had gone before. Some of you guys watch it. You're just too ashamed to put your hand up. I watched it. 
But the apostle has an impulse to go and bring Jesus to regions that are yet untouched, to blaze a trail, to take that mountain. The Greek word for apostle comes uh, from apostelio, what it means sent one. The apostle is called to be sent by God and to raise up people to be sent. That's the impulse of the apostle. And apostles still exist today. They don't care the authority of New Testament apostles who actually wrote scripture. But apostles still exist today. They're people that most of us see as missionaries or church planters, or they lead multiplication movements of church planting networks. Their frustration comes out when a church is stalled and not in movement and multiplication. And their vision, an apostle's vision, is to see a multiplication movement happen in regions. Kind of like taking Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. That is an apostolic vision. That's kind of the apostle. The prophet is this. Let's take it God's way in God's timing. A prophet sets direction, and I'll just say this too. Prophets exist today. And they help set the direction. In Acts chapter 13, I love this picture. And it, the book of Acts is so fascinating because in the book of Acts, you see these five giftings in operation. And it's so cool the way God designed the church to function. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, who are apostles, are waiting on God and they need direction from the Holy Spirit. So what does the church decide to do? Get the prophets and the teachers together and wait on the Lord. And guess what happens as they're fasting? Remember fasting last week? They were fasting and praying, and then the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophets, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. Prophets actually set the direction. Prophets also bring warning and help make sure the church stays on course. Prophets are like guardrails for the church to make sure we don't go in the ditch. No one wants to go in the ditch, right? That's what the prophet is for. And prophets get really frustrated if a church has lost its direction or focus or if people are starting to be unfaithful to Jesus. And they work in tandem with the apostle. As the apostle goes to take new ground, the apostle helps set the direction. Third one is the evangelist. The evangelist says, let's take more people with us. The evangelists are uniquely gifted by God to draw people into a relationship with Jesus. The evangelist is, is called to help provide an impulse in a church for lost people and provide the skills to actually train people to reach people for Christ. The evangelist gets frustrated when lost people aren't on the forefront of people's hearts and minds. And you know, these first three gifts in Atlanta, Canada, at times, have been pushed out of the church because they don't fit the profile of a typical pastor. They're not that sharing, caring person in the same way that a shepherd is uniquely gifted. But I'm here to tell you tonight, we desperately need these three gifts. We need all five gifts. But these three gifts, the apostle, prophet, and evangelist, are the spearhead to the church the apostle, prophet, and evangelist 
is what keeps the church in movement mode. And I think all over Atlantic Canada, we see churches that are dying. And guess what? We need new churches. We need direction to see new churches. And we need to see a whole lot of unchurched people that don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. Amen? So we need apostles, prophets, and evangelists. If we're going to see a move of God in Nova Scotia, we've got to see these gifts in operation. It's literally how Jesus designed the church to work. Imagine if you had a car and you had three missing key parts. Imagine if you had a car without an engine, without a drive shaft, and without a gas tank. How far are you going to go? Not very far. But that's what we've done in the church. We're like, let's do church. We'll come together, sing songs, get close to Jesus, but forget about lost people and forget about that we're actually called to multiply and reach unreached communities. The fourth gift, shepherding. The shepherd's the person you want when you're going through a crisis. They have a deep care for people's souls. If you're going through a challenging time, someone with the gift of shepherding makes you feel loved and cared for. There's shepherds in this room right now. I was watching this uh, war movie, and I was watching the medic in these movies going out on the front line and grabbing people from the battlefield that were wounded and dragging them back and starting to, like, patch them up. And I thought, that's the shepherd. It's the people that are wounded in battle. The shepherd comes alongside and actually starts caring for and patching up. The shepherd is the person that makes sure that no one falls through the cracks. They make sure that people aren't being neglected. They get frustrated when people are being neglected. They're the people that think about, have you thought about this person? What about this person? They just can't turn off the, what about this person? And their vision is to see people healthy, holy, and thriving. And finally, the teacher. For, I forgot to say the shepherd's line. Let's make sure everyone stays with us and is okay. Can you tell I'm not the shepherd? I even forgot to say the line. Sorry, shepherds in that room. My bad. Teachers, let's make sure everyone knows what we are doing and why. Teachers are those that are enabled by God to teach in a way that people understand. They open up the scriptures and they're just gifted to like make things click from the scriptures. Like as they begin to explain and they have such a passion to kind of dig into the scripture, they get really, really frustrated when Christians and churches are like this deep in the scriptures. They got no foundation. They're kind of flaky. And they desire to see a group of people firmly established on the word of God. So there you have it. There's the five. Now, you can disagree with me about these five, but this is what I'm, I would say. Jesus designed the church to function with these five gifts in full-blown operation. And then if these five gifts aren't in full-blown operation, the church is not being the church God has called it to be. We need these gifts to begin to equip the church for the work of the ministry and to grow in a balanced way. It's no good if you just have an evangelist speaking to you all the time. Yeah, you'll care a lot about lost people, but you won't be moving forward in mission. Or people won't be cared for like they should. You see, 
God wants the church, as this scripture talks about here, to actually grow up in every way. Imagine a church that only cared about caring for people's souls and making sure people were well looked after, but didn't care about reaching unreached communities. God wants us to be a holistic church that grows up in every way. Those are the equipping gifts. But there's three scenarios that are in this room. As we shift away from equipping gifts, which some people have, to spiritual gifts, which all of you are invited to have. Now here, there's three scenarios in this room. The first scenario is, you are a believing Christian. And God has identified to you what your spiritual gifts are. The Holy Spirit's shown you, and actually, you're using those gifts. You're still learning how to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and follow as he promised, but you're aware of it and you're walking in it. That's scenario one. Scenario two is this. You have accepted Jesus in your life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, but you don't know what your, what your spiritual gifts are. But God has given you spiritual gifts. You're just unaware of what they are right now. They're lying dormant. Then there's a third scenario in the room here. You're a believer in Jesus. You've invited the Holy Spirit to come in and live, but God has yet to give you the spiritual gift or gifts he wants to give you. Those are the three scenarios. God wants to give you spiritual gifts, but we have to put ourselves in a place to receive them. Timothy, in Paul's letter to Timothy, Paul said, fan into flames the spiritual gift you receive from the laying on of hands. Some spiritual gifts come through people praying over people and, and God deposits gifts that way. But we're supposed to fan into flames the gifts that God has given us. Here it is, church. God wants to give you spiritual gifts if you haven't got them yet. And here's what I'd say, though. Most of you in this room have spiritual gifts. And I would dare say a lot of you might not know what they are. And like God, Jesus, wants to hit the activation button to activate the gifts that are in this room because he has stuff that you, he wants you to do. You see, there are no passive roles in the body of Christ. You have a strategic part to play. A huge part of you playing that is discovering the way that God has gifted you. He gifted you for a strategic reason. And man, I get fired up when I start thinking about a church full of the Holy Spirit using their God-given gifts to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. I want to encourage you, Come out this Thursday. Do coffees with one of our staff members. We'd love to pray and ask the Lord to like show you what gifts God has given you because he, you either have a gift or he wants to give you one. And this is what the Bible says. Each of us should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, use what God has given you. Are you using the gifts that God's given you? Some of you in this room have gifts and they're laying dormant. You're not using them. And God would say, right from the scripture here, it would say, use the gifts that God has given you. Use them. Activate them. Because ultimately all these gifts come from Jesus. You see, no one person has all the gifts in the body of Christ. 
But Jesus has them all. Jesus was the great apostle. He was the sent one and the great sender. He sent his disciples. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he still sends the church. Amen? He is the great sent one. He's the apostle. He's the prophet. He's the prophet, the lady who he met at the well. Come and see this man who knows everything about me. He's the evangelist. Did Jesus leave the 99 to go for the lost sheep? He was the great evangelist. He was the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And he was the teacher. His words had spirit and they had life. And Jesus, full of his divine resources, gives his gifts freely to the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are his body, called to carry out his mission of make disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the gifts and enablement that God wants to give us. So I'm going to invite uh, people up for prayer here in a minute. I'm going to have opportunity to pray with people. Carolina's going to come and she's going to pray with people too. Maybe God wants to give you a gift tonight. You know, Timothy received a gift from the laying on of hands, and I don't know what the Holy Spirit wants to do, but maybe tonight is an opportunity where you ask God. You say, I want, to, I want gifts. I want gifts for God to use me. I'd love to pray with you tonight over here. Come up. Or maybe you need God to activate your gifts. Maybe you're not sure what they are. Maybe you want prayer tonight for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what gifts God's given you. Or maybe you haven't been using your gifts. And maybe, maybe it's like, kind of like that thing that doesn't get used a lot, starts to seize up. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need a little bit of Holy Spirit oil on your gifts to kind of get it working and functioning and operating again. I want to invite you to come, and we'd love to pray with you. There's three prayers I'm praying for Coastal as we close here tonight. The first prayer kind of breathing out of this vision of multiplication, this apostolic vision. I'm praying that while we are in a season of being established and being grounded and being structured as a church, I pray we don't lose sight of what we're really called to do long term. And my prayer is that one day in our future, Coastal Church, we'd have opportunity to help plant another church in another location here in Southwest Nova. And I don't want us to lose sight of that in our DNA. What would it look like if we helped contribute to see another congregation established in a, in a community that needed it? That's one of my prayers tonight. My second prayer is that God would use Coastal Church to help equip apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That what would it look like if one day from this very room, some of you in this room were actually called into full-time ministry? And what if Coastal was a key part of equipping you to do that very thing? That's my second prayer. And my third prayer, like hold on to the table, Lord, this can only happen through you. <laughs> this is my big dream, gang. Over the next 20 years, what would it look like if every rural community, every hub like Barrington Passage throughout Nova Scotia, what would it look like if in every community in Nova Scotia there was a thriving church that was reaching lost people and helping be 
a catalyst for transformation throughout our entire province. That's way bigger than me. But I'm praying those kinds of prayers. Because I think more than anything, church, we need revival in Nova Scotia. We need revival in Southwest Nova. But our whole province needs a move of God. What would it look like if we maybe weren't the leading edge here as a church, but what would it look like if Coastal played a part over the next 20 to 25 years to see congregations established, not just here in Southwest Nova, but through our entire province? Those are the prayers I'm praying as, as I think about the church being the church that God has called us to be. Would you pray these bold, dangerous prayers with me tonight? And I invite you to come up as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you have a plan and you have a mission. God, I want your spirit to move in this place, and I know there's lots of things that you want to do, and so we want to get out of your way and let you do what you want to do. God, would you unlock the potential in this room? Would you hit the activation button in people's lives? And I do pray, Father, that one day in our future, Lord, that we could help establish a congregation in another community that needs it. I do pray that we could become a church that equips people for ministry. And I do pray that, Lord, over the next 20 to 25 years, that we could be a church, Lord, that helps see churches established not just maybe in our neck of the woods, but through our entire province. God, move by your spirit in this place, I pray, Father. We welcome you in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet.